Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we preview a big week at Riviera and hear from world number one, Roy McIlroy. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark and this week again I am joined by two other people, Elliot Heath and Nick Bonfield. How are we doing guys? You're right, Tom, good thanks. Right, Clazza. Yes, doing? yes. Too tired today again, which is No, amazing. no, not too bad getting the odd bit of sleep here and there, but uh just yeah. what everyone needs, the odd bit of sleep, eh? The odd bit of sleep, that's that's all I that's all I would I need to, you know. Keep, you keep, keep, don't really sleep much, do you? So you should be fine. F- famously, I'm not sure, but Within uh, the office, exactly. Uh, needs to be a bit more sport on after a very good couple of bumper weeks when I was on paternity leave with lots of sport. There's been a slight lack of sport the last week. Yeah, I didn't need that storm and that rubbish. Yeah, rubbish winter break and um, cricket now only being every other day I mean that's not quite good enough needs to up its game so um, yeah beginning there and uh, was, I managed to watch a fair amount of the golf at the weekend so that's that's decent but firstly big news of the week is that Rory McIlroy is back to world number one isn't he but before we even talk about that are any of you guys getting close to being world number one by playing some golf Nick are you, are you about to compare yourself to Rory McIlroy no but I did play at the weekend used a Cobra club for the first time in my life Hit the new Cobra speed zone. I think the good... Or well, the driver? Yeah. Did you, you manage to nick that from the cupboard, did you? I was doing some product testing. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, how did it go? Come yeah, on. really good. I think the reviews of it are accurate. It's about 100 quid cheaper than the market leaders. That is, so as, 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 ever, as ever, anyone who knows anything about Elliot, the first thing, you ask someone, how, how is it, how's the club? How's the new pair of shoes? How's the new suit you're wearing? You know, what's your new watch like? What's your new phone like? The first thing Elliot says is, well, it's cheaper than X or Y. So that is a very fair point about that particular driver. But how did you hit it? I don't care about the price, because firstly, you didn't pay anything for it so i don't care about the price how do you know i didn't pay for it because i, I know who you are that firstly and secondly i know where you got it from so uh, well, um, yeah, how did. how did you hit it let's did you hit fairways did you hit it into bushes what you know did you hit it off the planet i hit some fairways yeah it's got a hazardous shaft mm-hmm. which i had a previous model that had just a standard shaft and what, what driver did, is it replacing in your uh, bag g400 max mm-hmm. ping yeah. So it spins less, it goes further. I think I've probably picked up about 15 yards. Uh, can, you, can you hit the ball out of your shadow then? Yeah, so you hit it, to, you hit it 220 this time. And honestly... Uh, my, <laughs> don't, 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 we're, we're joking, we're joshing. Uh, my, my dad was very surprised by how far I was hitting the ball. That's saying, good I, I haven't seen you hit it that far ever. Good, well that's it. Well that's a... As, as you might be able to drive me now earlier. We'll see you on Friday. I mean, two, two people who really hit the ball very short distances about you know comparing who hits it longest is a, b- a bad conversation one's off five one's off 15 so well I know, it's not all about distance is it no but very good cl- i mean people who don't know it it's kind of like the second year that of this uh, kind of driver that cobra brought out uh, and i hit it last year and for someone who you know i'm a 18 handicapper i absolutely loved it 
because you know it's one of those ones that for someone who sometimes struggles to get it off the tee you get I just thought it was something that I couldn't miss with so um, but all the top drivers are like that and they're very close I mean if you if you get the chance to look at our YouTube video on the best drivers for 2020 Neil Tappin our digital editor and uh, gear reviewer um, hit them all and he said how it's amazing how closely that he managed to hit them all Um, and actually it's all down to looks and finally Elliot down to price and what you can afford and that Cobra is significantly cheaper than this it's not cheap though is it no 350 quid still a lot of money I would say get a custom fitting as well because I was asking Joel our equipment editor all sorts of questions about weights where do I put them and I, I don't really know to be honest I was just winging it yeah which obviously isn't getting the best performance for me yeah, no, well, that's absolutely, but that's... But the, still, I was absolutely booming it. Yeah, they're great clubs. I mean, there's a lot of technology in there. I mean, 350 quid, we're caught saying that's one of the cheaper ones. That was the top top end price not that long ago. So, um, oh, good, I'm glad you... And how did you actually score? Awfully, yeah. I don't think I'm... <laughs> don't think I made a par until the eighth hole. You were so optimistic last week. You were saying this might be your best season ever. Yeah, I'm just getting the rust off. I've got a competition this weekend. Oh, have you? What, uh, what's that? So, uh, February Stableford or something. I actually yeah. know ne- the weekend after. And what's this at, at your home club? Yeah. Westy B? Yeah. I must say as well, listeners, I put a picture on Twitter at the weekend, at Heath Golf, if you want to see it. The greens were so bad, purely because of traffic and the weather we've had. It was like almost not worth putting. Like, mm. I mean, it's a very tough year for go- uh, sorry, very tough time of year for golf courses, and the weather has been horrendous. We've obviously just come through uh, Storm Kira or whatever it was called, and where a lot of golf courses will now be struggling with with damage. There'll be trees down all over the place. Also, the amount of water that uh, has suddenly fallen. You know, is it is it worth actually some of the courses being open? I know it's people are starting to think. You know, on Saturday, it was glorious. It was beautiful, sunny sunny day and it, I thought oh it feels a bit like spring you know some of the flowers were coming up you could hear the birds tweeting and then Sunday it was biblical wasn't it and you think oh no we've still got a bit of way to get through this so I think courses have got to be careful even on some of those nice days whether they need to be open so um, yeah I think our course could do with like three weeks of just no traffic then you fear the wrath of the membership don't you so it's, it's tough. a very tricky balance uh, yeah and, and you know for our sympathies to greenkeepers at the moment of, of course and golf courses if they shut down it's not just the it's not the members who are let who obviously disappointed it's also the bar takings are down yeah, and that that can um, have a have it's a huge effect yeah yeah i'm not slagging off the greenkeepers at all they do a great job it's purely just because of the weather and the footfall there's literally nothing we can do about it that's just a uh, bad part of being an English golfer, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's something that we've got to put put up with, I think. So, um, but hey ho. So if yeah, if you have comments about your golf course, if your golf course is struggling, or maybe your golf course is thriving in this weather because of particularly there are golf courses out there where which you know play well in any weather, then let us know. Uh, golf Monthly at ti-media.com or on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Monthly or Facebook Golf Monthly Magazine. Now I've already mentioned that. There is a, a new world number one at the top of the world rankings in the form of Northern Irishman Rory McIlroy, who's back at the top of the game for the first time in how long? 
since September 2015. So over four years. Yeah, incredible. Wow, has it really been that long? That is 1,600 days. Wow, I didn't realise it had been that long. This is what, his 10th stint? I think it's eighth, eighth. I heard, but uh, the last time McIlroy was world number one, John Rahm hadn't turned pro, Kepka hadn't won a major, Nike still made golf clubs, and UK hadn't voted for Brexit. Wow. <laughs> have you just written an article about it? Because you seem to have uh, listed a lot of things that off the top of your head there. Um, but he actually hasn't won a major since... Come on, you're the other one with all the set. Yeah, Valhalla, 2014 USP. Yeah, so exactly. So what's changed? Well, ha- six years. So there's a, a few, one of my friends actually messaged on our WhatsApp group saying, um, "Oh, Rory's back to world number one, but he hasn't won a major for for ages." And you think, "Well, he hasn't," but then you look what he's done over the past year. He says quickly, looking at well, a, you think, what, the screenshot. Championship, WGC Players Championship are the highlight ones, aren't they? Yeah, and and so he's won four times in the last year. The three that you've just mentioned, and also the RBC Canadian Open, a very big mm. and prestigious PJ Tour event. But out of the twenty-five events or so in the, over the past year, so from the Farmers Insurance to the Farmers Insurance, he's played 20, 25 events. He's had nineteen top tens. Mm, ridiculous consistency. And I don't know how many of them are top fives. A lot. So. Um, I think he's. We we've all been thinking that he's been really playing the best golf over the last year, even though he hasn't turned that into a major win. Um, and actually, I was writing a, a piece for the magazine actually about his statistics and how well suited he is to Augusta. And obviously, we know we all know about his ball striking prowess. But something that really took me by surprise was the fact that he was inside the top twenty-five in strokes gained putting last year as well. So if he can turn his notoriously streaky putting into a bit more consistency that he can be very, very dangerous this year. So yeah. that as well shows just how good his ball striking is because normally the best player in the world is the best putter in the world. So something's not quite right there. And maybe that, that shows that he won't be able to have the longevity at the top because you look at Brooks Kepka, best putter in the world in the majors, Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, all these... Tiger. Yeah, you know, Tiger for for all his, you know, the the distance gains that Tiger had and everything like that, the reason why he won all those majors is because he was well, the best putter at the time. 10 feet, yeah, he, yeah well, exactly. not, everyone knew it. Let's not beat around the bush. Top 25 on the PGA Tour in putting is nothing to brag about. Well, I think it's relative, isn't it? Relative to his performance the previous years where he was outside the top 100 and never threatened the top 25, you have to see that as progress. And yeah. Sorry, we're talking about why he hasn't won a major since 2014. That's why. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm saying that that offers some encouraging signs going forward for the majors this year. Yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously going to be favourite for most of the majors. We can probably talk about whether he's going to win in August or, or not later. Uh, we are going to hear from him. So we've got some archive audio from Rory that we've had over the last couple of years. And we're going to hear on three occasions, the world number one, starting straight away with him giving us a great practice tip. Yeah, you need, there definitely has to be a blend. There has to be technical parts of your practice where you're working on your swing and working on getting into different positions uh, that will allow you to hit the ball better, hit the ball more consistent. Um, But then you have to get away from that part of it and, and play games, put yourself under pressure in practice because the more you can simulate what it's going to be like on the golf course, on the on the range, the better you're going to perform out there. So yes, of course, there has to be times where you're working on your, you know, you, you might do some drills and you're working on your setup, your alignment, you're practicing taking the club halfway back, whatever it may be. But then you have to get out of that and, 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 and do enough reps of that so it beds in itself without much thought. And then you have to just 
hit shots, hit the shots that you need on the course, whether you, you pretend that there's a pin in the middle of the range, okay, this is, you know, a back right pin, I can't miss it right, I have to, you know, you know all that sort of stuff. Um, put yourself under pressure, and I, I really enjoy playing little games like that on the range because that's what makes you better, that's what, when you're under pressure, hitting, you know, with a one-shot lead, hitting a shot into the last hole, those sessions on the range are what's going to help you produce, hopefully, a shot that will help you win a golf tournament. So there we have it, world number one Rory McIlroy with a really good practice I think there. I think the best thing I like about that is actually about going to a driving range but actually using it um, to actually come up with a proper situation. Um, so I think some really useful advice and we're going to hear from him on two other occasions throughout the podcast. But now we're going to look back on the previous weekend's events with the Pebble Beach Pro-Am starting up with where Canadian Nick Taylor won his second PJ Tour title by a four-stroke margin. Kevin Streelman was second and Phil Mickelson was third. Taylor shot two under despite three bogeys and a double on the back nine in windy conditions. Mickelson was in the final group but said he got outplayed. Taylor, the former world amateur number one, moves up to career-high 101st in the world rankings. Also at Pebble Beach, Jordan Spieth recorded a tied ninth finish to return to the world's top 15 qualify for next week's WGC Mexico. Now, how much of it did we watch? I watched most of the final day. Yeah. I didn't watch the last hole because it was over by then. But Taylor was completely leaking oil. Mickelson was horrendous, I thought, on the back nine. It was tough conditions. <laughs> you were so neg- I thought I I watched a lot of the final round and mainly the back nine. And I get what you're saying that there were there were some high scores going around, but it was really, really tricky conditions, wasn't it? Yeah, of course it was really difficult, but these are the best players in the world. And a lot of the holes on the back nine, they were hitting wedges into the green and missing them. Taylor, I think it took him five shots to get onto the par 5, 5th, uh, 14th. It took him three shots to get onto the 13th, which is a par 3 or the 12th. Just neither of them really had the game to win. Luckily, so not, but he but he did win and he chipped in twice miraculously, but some fantastic and it was some great bounce back ability. You know that that when he shot that duck when he had that double bogey where he, I think what really went wrong there for him was that he just had bad course management on that and he tried to work out something it didn't quite work out. He didn't execute it very well, but then he came back and it was amazing. Well, he dropped what four shots in four holes and then bounced back from that, where many people would have folded with two birdies in the closing four, including a brilliant tee shot at the 17th to win in the final group with Phil Mickelson. I think the other impressive thing is the fact that I think he was four under after nine holes from the final group, playing alongside a man who basically wins every other year at, at, um, at, at Pebble, Pebble Beach. Yeah. It's seriously impressive given that his, his past record on the PGA Tour as well. I mean, he won in 2014, but that was one of the old full season events and was it the Sunsons Farms Championship doesn't attract a very strong field at all in his five seasons on the PGA Tour he's finished 120th 123rd 93rd 129th and 101st some, just some, some stats yeah, there if anyone's on so for him to come out of the traps the way he did especially with Mickelson starting well and shooting four under on that front line I thought was hugely impressive yeah um, I think one of the things why Elliot's being a bit negative about this is because Elliot is still very negative about Phil Mickelson and doesn't want to say anything positive about I Phil I was Mickelson. actually cheering Mickelson on because I wanted it to get close and he was just useless. He was flying he greens for like 30 yards. He wasn't yards. useless. You can't say he was useless. At all. He wasn't. It was really tricky conditions, wasn't it? He's like, so you say he, he had a couple of balls which went a bit further and then if you look at 16, his iron shot, and um, what's the name of the on-course... Uh, commentator Dottie 
Dotty Pepper. Dotty Pepper, thank you. She just said, oh, is it a good wedge in there? And he, oh, the wind's hit it. It just took it out of the air. So it's just one of those... Have never played in wind before? Of could course. Could it down? Of course. But it's it, meant to be one of the best players of all time. Yeah, but what, could he fly it down? No, because actually what, that... that that hole there's a tree in the way so you can't fly to, fly to down and the, the pin's tucked behind the tree and he's having to be really aggressive so no he couldn't actually um, in that situation and I think you're being harsh he still shot 15 under finished third went backwards on Sunday as well didn't they I mean, yeah oh, huge amount huge amount Mickelson some of the best players in the world went backwards so obviously conditions were difficult I, I actually thought he I, might... I think we just give a lot of credit to Taylor here for his performance yeah I thought he played really well you know one PJ Tour Victory is one thing, but to get to it really shows that you actually are supposed to be out on that tour. Was he the third Canadian in the last thirty years to have won multiple PGA Tour? Titles? I have no idea. Can you name the other two? Um, Hadwin. No. Mike Weir. Yep. Graham Dillett. Nope. Oh no, he's never won. Has never he? Never won. Can't chip. Um, Corey Connors. No, incorrect. It's Stephen Ames. Oh, there you go. I would have got there eventually. Yeah. You know, I thought it. You know, we were a little bit negative about the. Pebble Beach Prime last week as well, saying how long it was taking and stuff like that. I thought it was a pretty decent tournament this time. And having those slightly tricky conditions, it was still... I mean, it looked gorgeous, didn't it? On that Sunday. Amazing sunshine, with a bit of wind as well. It's, It's not the longest course or anything like that. And it showed that actually the old courses can still, you know, make it tough for the pros. There was only... There's not that many people actually under par in the end. Uh, a lot of the scoring had to be done early doors. So I think there's some of the other things. Because is Spieth looking better again? Do we think, you know, he's, he's suddenly he's managed to squeak back into the world's top 50. I said at the start of the year that I thought that Spieth was going to win this year. Do we think he's going to win? You know what? I was thinking about this the other day. It wouldn't shock me at all to see him winning the Masters. It's the kind of thing Spieth would do. Come from nowhere, play one really good final round in tough conditions. And that would just be the catalyst for the rest of the year. And would it shock you to see Spieth at nine under par after 36 holes of the Masters? Not at all. No. no. Plus, he can get away with his wayward driving to an extent on that golf course too. True. Yeah, if Nick Taylor can win the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, then Spieth Why are you being so negative about Nick Taylor? Because no. also, it's, it's Pebble Beach is one of those ones where there's lot, been lots of you know not big names win. Who else won? Vaughn Taylor. Vaughn Taylor. Didn't have one on the third or I made that no, up. Who won, it th- who won it two years ago? Vaughn Taylor. No, that's not it's who Mickelson and Vaughan Taylor the last two years. Oh, who, who won it before Vaughan Taylor? I couldn't tell you. Probably Spieth. Yeah, um, it was. Spieth won it in 2017, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, it was, yeah. Maybe it's Vaughan, maybe it's Vaughan Taylor. Maybe I'm imagining things. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those ones where suddenly he does come up with some slightly strange um, winners. DJ Trahan, so he won there. DA points, maybe. DA points, off. that's who yeah. I'm thinking of, he yeah. Hold, a, hold that shot in the final. He won it with, he won it with uh, Bill Murray, with yeah? Bill Murray, yeah. Um, Struman, who finished second, played really well. Uh, someone who was a very, very good golfer, what, five, ten years ago, fallen away slightly, but he played very solid, especially in those windy conditions. Yeah. And he's great to watch sometimes as well because he heats up and he can go on some serious runs. I forget the name of the tournament that he won a few years back, but didn't he birdie the last seven holes to win a PJ Tour event? I want to say the Travellers, is that yeah, wrong? I don't know, I remember him going crazy. Yeah. And, and he obviously finished really hot again um, on Sunday. Uh, he's, he's good to watch, yeah. Because on paper, he's not the most flamboyant or exciting player, but he does find himself in these runs of form where he makes a yeah. lot of birdies. And he won the um, the, the Pro-Am with... Larry Fitzgerald from the... Uh, I really should know this. Uh, Arizona, Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals, of yes, course. one yeah. of the best wide yeah, yeah. receivers in history. Um, second time they won it. And a lot of people were saying that Fitzgerald's got a dodgy handicap, but he's playing off eight... And I think they cut him 
cut him a couple of shots from a, year, a few years ago. So, uh, but I thought it was a good one. Ellie's been very negative about it, but he's allowed to be. You know, that's his, his it's his opinion. Ellie uh, hates Nick Taylor. We've learned something. Yeah, hates Nick Taylor. Hates Phil. No, I just think he was very lucky that his opponent was completely leaking oil and chopping it on the back. But on the front line, Phil Mickelson's three under three six. And Nick Taylor shoots four under through nine holes. At that time, it was the best round going on the course from the final group when you're playing with a five-time major champion. I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, definitely. And chipped Good in twice. Him. Yeah. I know chipping in is, is a bit of luck in it, but you've got to do it. There was another event, kind of two events, really. The Vic Open in Australia, near Melbourne, where 21-year-old Australian Min Woo Lee won his first European Tour title by two from Ryan Fox. You tipped Ryan Fox last yeah, week, didn't did. you? Good effort, did Ryan you? Fox. No. Uh, one of the things, the highlights from Min Woo Lee's round was he hit a two iron 355,000 miles. No, how, how far was it? 365. With a two iron. It was downhill, downwind, but he played very well and came through the field really to, to win that. So there was also a women's event which went on at the Vic Open and that was careers. He Young Park won that to win her third LPGA Tour title. I picked someone who was second going into it, whose name completely escapes me and she shot 80 in the final round so was it Magdalene Sagstrom that is exactly who it was so that was slightly disappointing but uh, she won the week before didn't she for her first yeah oh no I'm sure she'll get over it it was just disappointing for me because I hadn't tipped her the week before Um, a real star you know it's tricky for us it's in a it's in a dodgy time zone for us to to watch it Um, but I thought you know with the two leaderboards going on I thought it was pretty it worked pretty well uh, and it's nice to see the women's event getting a few more headlines than than usual. Do we think we should have more events like this? Yeah, definitely. They are really good, but I have no interest in it purely because the field's <laughs> not great, essentially. That's the big problem. If we could get a few of the... If it was a, if it was a long side... I think I may have said this last time. If the Pebble Beach Pro-Am actually wasn't a Pro-Am and was a men's tournament alongside a women's tournament, I think that would be a fantastic event because you've got really good, strong men's field and you've got the strongest women's field as well. Um, at the moment, these split events seem to be only alongside reasonably weak European tour events or whatever. That was a weak purse even for the ladies. Yeah. Like, um, maybe WGCs would be a good idea to do something like yeah. that. I think that would be a good... Obviously, they do have different courses and stuff like that, so they can run two kind of tournaments next to each other and stuff like that. But I think that's certainly something that... It would be great to be... Um, no, to I think be if we're serious about it, we do it in a serious event, the Rolex Series event, the WGC. I think at the moment they feel quite gimmicky and almost like they're PR stunts to yeah. you. I mean, I'd, I'd love it. We talked about the World Tour last year. I really think the women's game should be part of that. I already said that maybe the women's game or even the seniors game could be part of that. We'll wait and see whether that actually happens. So there's no European Tour event this week. There's just a PGA Tour event, and that is an exciting one. It's the Genesis Invitational being played at Riviera Country Club. And one of the people teeing it up this week is the world number one, Roy McIlroy. And we're going to hear a bit more audio from him now about his talent and his work ethic. I guess it's hard. It's hard to put it across to people sometimes because you know, all they see is us on the golf course, and and you know they they watch us on TV. And um, I think the whole narrative around me from the beginning was talent and so talented and this and that, whatever. But you know, even before then, even as a teenager and uh, you know turning pro, the amount of time I spent practicing and putting into my game, and then you know you realize once you turn pro you almost need to take it to another level again and, and, and add certain areas to 
uh, to your game, whether it be the fitness part that you saw today or uh, try just to add different elements to your game. So, yeah, I, I don't think people appreciate how hard, how hard, I, I wouldn't say I work hard because, you know, going and spending the whole day on the driving range or in the gym isn't, you know, to some people isn't hard work, but that's, you know, I, I, I do spend a lot of time at it and it's not, like you're born with a certain talent, but you need to, to work as hard as you possibly can to, to, to turn that talent into something more than just potential and, and try to achieve your goals and achieve everything that you want. So there you go, Rory McIlroy again. Is Rory the most naturally talented golfer on tour at the moment? Is there anyone that we think has more natural talent for the game of golf than Rory? Maybe Dustin? I would say probably not, no. His swing is... Uh... It's one that you look at and just think, how on earth does he do that? It's yeah. just got to be natural talent. Yeah. So I mean, the whole way that Dustin Johnson plays the game is so natural, isn't it? His fluid, long swing, hits it miles, doesn't overthink things, doesn't overthink the strategy or anything. Yeah, I think he's very natural. Yeah, I guess player. that bowed wrist as well is is not something you teach. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's there's plenty of very naturally gifted golfers out there as well, isn't there? But Rory, I think he's got to be one of the guys in there. You know who's, he's definitely found probably the the right game to play, hasn't he? And he's got so, the yeah. get the most out he's of it. Doing fairly well, with fairly his fairly well, isn't he? And um, it's, sorry, it's interesting what he says about his work ethic there because I've heard him a lot recently uh, saying down in Florida where he lives, him and Justin Thomas are like the only two people that are consistently last on the range mm. practicing early in the morning. So, yeah, it's not just talent that's got him yeah. where he is. It's got to be hard work, absolutely. And, you know, reaching the top, not stopping, you know, keeping going on there. There's plenty of people that we've seen who've reached or got close to being the top and think, you know, they, they made it and then maybe the drive isn't there to then go on to, to, to win more. Yeah, uh, there's a phrase in boxing, um, it's hard to do your runs in silk pyjamas. So when you've got 200 million in the bank, whatever McElroy does you got to commend him for still working that part. And Anthony Joshua, I know he, you're not the biggest fan of Anthony Joshua, although you're quite a big fan of Anthony yeah, Joshua. No, I like yeah, AJ. I like Tyson Fury more. Uh, uh, he, uh, I saw a documentary where he actually, um, when he's when he's training for a fight, or this is what he used to do, he actually moves into a flat which has nothing, yeah. has no TV, um, he's got very basic, it's pretty much a bed and a kitchen and that's it. So he, you know, he takes away all the... Um, the, the spoilings that he's he's won and all, all that and um, yeah he goes back to his, his as he said his roots when he's really really training no hard Brutal. it must be very difficult when you're you, you are that rich <laughs> and it's like do I want to go and practice on the driving range practice my putting or no, do you, do you, no, do you think if you took away your massive TV out of your flat do you think you suddenly be able to come get down to single figures because you actually you know you reckon you'd actually well, go go well, down the gym a bit more yeah, possibly I mean, I'm a world class putter for a start <laughs> I've on my long game for a few more hours a week than yeah. Last week, not? well, last week I think you said how bad you were playing, and uh, I've played terribly for about probably twelve months now. It would be amazing if you took away some of these things. If would we just sit around more and not do anything, or to, yeah, you know, taking away your phone, stuff like that, or to I'm probably more likely just to go to the pub more. <laughs> oh, no. so that is a, that's a fair point. Yeah. yeah, actually, that's something maybe I should do. So. This week, will we see the world number one winning? Because uh, the Genesis Invitational is at Riviera Country Club in Los Angeles. Uh, the event is hosted by Tiger Woods, and it's where he's made his PJ Tour debut in 1992. 
having attended the event as a child with his father. Despite this, he is never one at Riviera. The event has been bumped up to invitational status this year. This means a smaller field, bigger purse, and a three-year exemption for the winner instead of two years. Last year, JB Holmes won and was heavily criticised for his slow play during a windy final round. So there's only 120 players this week. Is that right? Yeah, about that, I think. But it's a very strong field, and we'll come on to that well, kind of now, when I was looking at the betting t- uh, tips and some of the odds, and I'm going to give you a little little quiz here. Mm. See if you can guess how the odds for these people. So, Jason Day, pretty decent week last week. 25. 25 to 1, you're saying? Yeah, I'd say the same. He's 35 to 1, which I think is mammoth odds. Rory McIlroy? 8. He's shorter than that. Seven. He, he's five, it's about five to one. That's ridiculous. Very, very short. And that is the reason why some of the other players are such long odds. So, Francesco Molinari. Oh, one, two, five. Oh, you cheated. Wow, is he? Molinari has fallen off a cliff since he got tigered at Augusta. He has, well, he's not, I'm not sure he's fallen. He's both cuts at the start of this year. As he has, well. He's on a run of cut, cut. Uh, but 125 to one, which I I fell off my chair when yeah, I well, well he he's on that style of golf course as well. Where and someone else, and, and someone else who is triple figures, who I think is well worth looking at, Danny Willett, who been playing really pretty solidly, won recently. There's a lot, a lot of very good value golfers out there. Study those odds with interest. Indeed. So coming on to that, who do you think is going to do well this week? My picks are on the show flow. This week, it's his style of golf course. It's a guy who's very. I'm, pe- I'm holding up a bit of paper, which I have written Zana Shoflay's yeah, name well, on. Well, for obvious reasons, he's very consistent across the board. Good ball striker. 16th in Scottsdale on his last outing. Obviously, second at the Tournament of Champions at the start of the year. And in his two appearances at uh, the Genesis, he's finished 9th and 15th. And the one thing about him, which we've already mentioned, is he is an outstanding putter. Uh, I think he's a fantastic player. He was on a silly run of making seven foot and ins. I can't remember what it was. It was ridiculous how many he made. It was several hundred in a row. Seems cliched at times to say that X person doesn't have a weakness, because we seem to say it a lot, but he doesn't have a weakness. Yeah. Somebody else who doesn't have a weakness is John Rahm. I just think he's going to win every single tournament that he plays in so and not i think he's uh double digit figures this week so he's definitely good good value ram also think although i don't think he played there last year had a good outing there a couple of years ago when i was reading up on him so um ram you know it's hard to discount him bubba watson i think has won in every even year so since 2012 <laughs> were you re- were you um reading the pj tour Power rankings, so they had that exact stat on there. No, it's every Ryder Cup year he wins the Genesis. Yeah, it's, it's, maybe it's since fourteen. Yeah, so he has a very good record there, and it shows the kind of course that it is where you've got to. The thing with uh, with Bubba is he excels on courses where you have to think slightly. You know, maybe have to you have to place your balls in specific areas on fairways so you can attack the greens and stuff like that and that Riviera is definitely that kind of course yeah it's interesting I wouldn't say it's a fit for him looking at his game and looking at the course because the fairways aren't particularly wide the rough is up it's more of a strategic players golf course ball strikers golf course whereas I personally associate Bubba with putting out that pink driver and smashing that, it that's what I th- yeah but that's it but I think you've that's a slight misnomer about Bubba that actually he's he does think 
about the shots that he's playing. He can have moments where he just tries to overpower golf courses and he does have the game to do that. But if you look at how well he's played at Augusta, I know Augusta can slightly be overpowered at times mm. and it does suit a left-handers, some left-handers. Um, but he's got such a good record there as well. But he must just be a fit to his eye or whatever it is. Uh, one person we need to talk about is Tiger Woods. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Um now, Tiger, obviously, is desperate to win there. He's under slight pressure this week because he's the host, but he's under pressure every week, isn't he? Do we think he can win at Riviera? Definitely, yeah. And, yes. what, and why would why would it be fitting for him to be to win this year more than any other? Break the record of Sam Snead. Exactly. Next week, we could be celebrating what an amazing career he's had, the record that he could break at the place where his dad used to take him, at the place where he used to try and qualify at the age of 15, where he eventually qualified at the age of 16. It's a very special place for him. I can't believe he's never won there, but this would really be a fitting venue to do that. Yeah, it would be amazing. Um, is he going to do it? He's definitely got the game for it. Yeah, he's just... A few what's, weeks off to yeah. tune up. It's funny that he's played it so many times. What's his best finish here? He Has he ever really given a big run at Riviera? Not really. But with his game as it is, his game seems to be in good good stead. There's no reason why he couldn't. His price of all the other people's is going to be shorter because of the amount of money that's going to go on Tiger because it happens every every uh, week. But it would be great for Tiger to win, obviously. Uh, there are other big names playing that we haven't even mentioned. Kupka, Rose, for example. So, you know, His style of golf course as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Leishman, who won the last time he played a couple of weeks ago, is probably someone that needs to be uh, counted. And one other person who I'm going to mention is Adam Scott as well, who I think might have a sneakily good... Yeah, he's a bit rusty though. Perhaps he hasn't played since his since he won. They were Australian yeah. PGA Championship. Yeah, yeah. So rusty to some, fresh to others. Yeah. others and again, so his style of golf course. Yeah, I mean, obviously hits it long and straight. Finds a lot of greens. Exactly. So it's putting better with that strange long mallet thing that he uses. So I've probably given away uh, most of uh, the tips that I'm going to do this week. But do check out the Golf Monthly Betting Tips by googling. Genesis Invitational betting tips and clicking on our post. Okay, so we're going to listen to Rory for the final time about his mindset and getting in the zone. Yeah, I would say the, the closest I've felt to that where I've not felt invincible but felt like nothing can get to me, nothing can, you know, I'm on a mission here and I'm, you know, this is the goal and this is, and I'm not going to stop until I get to that goal. Um, closest that I've been mentally to that was probably the back nine at Valhalla in 2014 when I won the PGA. Um, I got into a zone where I just, every shot, every flag that I looked at, every shot that I hit, every putt that I hit, I I just kept, kept hitting great shot after great shot. And I guess I never, there was no doubt in my mind that I was, you know, that I was going to hit a bad shot. You know, I it just, I saw the pin, I selected the club I was going to hit and I, I knew the swing that I needed to put on it. and. Um, it's hard to, to I feel like I've been in the zone a few times, um, but that was one time where I need, really needed to be in it. Sometimes, you know, it happens in the first round of a tournament and you should agree at score, but you know, there's still three rounds left yeah. where this was nine holes to go in one of the biggest tournaments of the world. Yeah. So um, obviously you try to stay in it as long as you can, but you learn, I think, how important the mental side of the game is right. and, and, and what having the proper mindset can do for you. I think that's, I mean, you know, I'd say if people went out there with the right mindset and thought about the right things and had confidence in themselves and, and 
didn't have doubt about what shot they were going to hit or oh I don't want to hit it left in these trees I don't want to hit it right in the water and they blocked all that out I mean it's amazing the difference that can make I mean, it, it is, it's of course, no, it is, it is, it is hard because everyone has, I have doubts, everyone, you know, the best players in the world still doubt themselves when they're over a golf shot, but um, if you can freewheel and just let it go as much as you can, that's when, that's when the results will, will start to show. So there you go, Rory McIlroy, world number one, will he win as world number one? We'll wait and see. Okay, so now on to the news, uh, what's been happening over the past week. And there's been a couple of things. Firstly, the USGA and RNA uh, released key findings on the impacts of distance in golf. And it was a pretty damning report on what's going on in the game, saying that actually the game of golf cannot survive if the golf ball keeps on getting hit further and further. What were your thoughts on this when you first saw it? I'm not surprised that it's come because I think the whole golfing world has been expecting it. Yeah, I don't think massive change should happen. I hope they don't do a mass amount of change. There is some stuff about possibly changing the equipment rules or introducing local rules. Perhaps bifurcation is finally on the way and the tour might introduce balls that spin more, which reduce distance. I think on the amateur game, it's fine. Albeit they are saying that it longer hitting distances increases manpower the stress on the environment water it takes longer to play which i completely get but uh, i i'm not sure it's the problem that it's made out to be i think on, on the, the professional game it is it is where is it going to stop and they've yeah, i think they it's find how it is now I think. they finally worked out that the, for the professionals you know it is getting to a limit and that is very different to the amateur game isn't it that's that's the big big difference isn't it yeah I don't think it's hard to disagree with the sentiments I think the general trend of the ball going further and courses getting longer isn't healthy which is what the RNA and the USGA have echoed and interestingly I was speaking to Matt Southgate last week about this issue and he was saying that it's fine as it is now just about but any further increase in distance and that, you know that's going to be the time to act and he was actually saying something quite interesting about he would be open to playing certain events with different equipment regulations because he was talking about and lamenting the fact that some great classic English courses just can't be played. They're obsolete now for the professional game, you know, like the Hotchkin course at Woodhall Spa, Sunningdale Old. And he was saying that he would be open to playing a different ball and maybe a different driver at certain events. And he said that he thought that some of his peers might might be open to that as well. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, when we say the equipment rules might change, what do we think that could be? Because this, this is the thing which is going to interest people the most about it, because they've probably sent the golf course as far as they're going to the players are as fit and as strong as they're probably going to be really realistically to still be able to to swing a golf club in an athletic manner so the options what what are the options the mad mad options are Ball and driver I ba- think. yeah ba- banning banning woods no I don't having mean, eyes uh, reducing I'm, I'm 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 putting out what, you know, what could be the mad thing so reducing the driver head Size coefficient of restitution, essentially the the springiness of the face. Yeah, putting more spin in the ball. So one thing that I've I have heard as as an idea is actually all the players play with the same ball or the same style of ball. So manufacturers would love that. (laughs) No, no, no. So but but you could have you know it might be that where we've got five piece balls and stuff like that. Actually, you only allowed two piece ball. Mm. I'm not saying that the manufacturers are going to stop. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, a maximum know. of like a three wood head size 
250cc, something like that. At the pro level, I don't think... I know that we want to play the same game as the pros, and that's something great about golf, that we can play the same courses with the same equipment. But I, I think there could be some restrictions. Perhaps take a driver out of the player's hands. Do, you think, do we think reducing the number of clubs that players are allowed to have in their bag, would that be something that helped? Uh, I don't think so. Well, that helps with the overall strategy and shot making, but it doesn't help with the core issue of distance, does it? Because if they still got a driver in the bag, then that's not going to change. Yep. If they play a golf ball that spins, I don't know, 10% more than our golf balls, and they, they aren't allowed to use a wood above 200cc or something, I think that would make quite a big difference and would keep the courses that they're playing now relevant. I think most people agree that issues have come, it's come to a head. And I think most people also agree that nothing needs to change in the amateur sphere. So how do you address both those points? Yeah, and also there's am, there's amateur, isn't it? There's amateur game and amateur game. There's amateur as in elite amateur, elite amateur, amateur. Exactly, there's amateur as in social, just want to play, enjoy. It. And some of the things, as you know, as a particularly poor golfer, is that I love it, pulling out the driver and trying to smack it as far as I can. Now. Mm. The distance I hit my driver does not make golf courses too short. They're still too long, yeah. you know, and there's or or I still muck around at the, around the green, and that's something you don't want to make the game. The game of golf is is hard, and technology has made it easier, and has also sometimes made it actually cheaper in some some cases. So actually, people more people can actually go out and play than ever because you can go into a, any high street store and buy a set of golf clubs for under hundred fifty quid, and that's something that we can't change but where it is at the pro level do we want to see the game as it is do we want to see it so actually that no one ever hits a four or five iron into a par four ever again i don't think that's something that we want yeah do, do we not want to see mcelroy hitting driver 350 yards anymore that's such a skill it's such a talent so much hard work not just from the equipment has gone into that in his physical training his swing technique that's an advantage that he's got and yeah, maybe I'm, we shouldn't I'm take that away. the current distances. It's just, I think, if it goes any further than it is currently. I think we saw a good example in Dubai, which is something else that Southgate alluded to, that that course was only, what, 7,300 yards and yet the players found it incredibly difficult because the fairways were narrow, there was a lot of rough and the greens weren't soft. So there are ways that you can set up a golf course to challenge these players. Mm. Um, I think maybe we need to look, look into tweaking elements of the golf course setup actually more than we do currently. Yeah, I think that's that's true. That's not how golf was designed to be played, though. Yeah, with and really thin fairways and really thick. And, I'm not, yeah. again, I'm not saying really thin everything. I'm not saying really firm greens. I think there are different ways to set up a golf course, and we don't need to restrict ourselves by doing it the same way for every tournament. I think we can exercise a bit of a uh, bit of discretion and, and set courses up in different ways for different events. I don't think we need to lose Macroy hitting at 350, but I also think it would be better if there were certain events where they were more strategically challenged. Yeah, it's really tricky. I mean, there's so many... I've seen so many potentially Mickey Mouse rules that p people could bring in. Like, you're only allowed to hit your driver f four times in a round, stuff like that. Things which we don't want to see because that kind of dilutes the game of golf. We don't want to make the game a gimmick. No, exactly. So I think that it, there'd be much easier ways to do it if, you know, everyone was using the same bits of equipment in some sorts. So maybe reducing the size of the driver head or the ball. We know those are the two biggest factors in in the game of golf but i agree with elliot that players like mcelroy have identified an area for them to get an advantage over the rest of the professional golfers and have worked very hard in a number of ways to reach that 
and then taking that away from them does seem slightly unfair because what they've done has been within the framework of the rules. Yeah, and it has you know, some course designs now are really obsolete where they've got lots of lovely, well placed fairway bunkers and they're hitting it 50 yards over the top of them so um yeah but that's only for the professionals though. exactly yeah, yeah exactly they're still in play for us we still get to enjoy the courses as they exactly. were designed to be and we don't want yeah and we don't want i think a lot of amateurs actually don't want these courses pushed so long actually because we find it's so hard we play princes at um christmas and some of those the new holes which are absolutely fantastic but they are particularly long aren't they and they some of those holes are are brutally long at, at some point yeah, so um we hit, we hit driver three wood on a par four we're still 50 yards short again in uh, texas in scramble, texas scramble. <laughs> yeah I, we shot 59 that round um well so, your two teammates did exactly exactly yeah all right still jealous um so we'll wait and see whether actually Anything, there is actually any further fallout from these key findings and obviously the the tours are going to have to get together and chat about to each other and work out what they want to do uh, and obviously all the, the USGA and RNA and everything like that they've got to talk long and hard about the things to do here um, I think something will happen but we'll wait and see um, one other bit of news was Jason Day had a very interesting interview after um, after the after Pebble Beach, that's right, wasn't it, Elliot? After Pebble yeah, Beach, after or the second or third round, where he yeah, played really well. well. Yeah, he's been playing much better the last few weeks, and he's obviously in a much better place mentally because he actually revealed that uh, the last couple of years he's actually been considering giving up the game of golf completely. You, you know, he's only in his early thirties. Um, you know, he won eight times in 2015, 2016. He's um, won the 2015 US PGA Championship. It'd be very sad to lose someone like Jason Day because of a, a loss of form and, and over injuries, wouldn't it? It'd be terrible. Night, I know you're a big Jason Day fan as well. When he was in his prime, I'd never really seen anyone play golf as good as him, mm. barring Tiger Woods. He's only 32. It's it's really sad. And I'm not sure that that Jason Day that we saw five years ago is going to come back now after what he said. He said he had two epidurals last year and he now has been blowing up balloons for like half an hour to try and get his rib cage back in place so it really does sound like you could, you could hire him out for children's parties He'd be he was very... saying that he was saying he can make all sorts of animals and shapes it's really sad he's 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 a funny because he's he's, he's suffered from all kinds of things you remember he had vertigo um yeah and well some sort of vertigo we were just walking along fairways and he would just collapse so he's someone that seems to have suffered from injuries or you know physical ailments because you don't know Perhaps he has a lower pain threshold than others. Perhaps he's less willing to play through the pain. Perhaps he just is one of those people who is cursed and will not be able to fulfil his potential because of it. You see it in a lot of sports. I mean, someone that springs to mind just thinking now is Daniel Sturridge. Hasn't come anywhere near fulfilling his potential because he's constantly got these niggles. I really hope it's not the same for Day and I really hope that he does find some recapture his best form from 15 and 16 over the next five or six years because he was playing golf of an unfeasibly high standard back then and he was one of my favourite players to watch and he seems like a really likeable guy too. However, I think the cynical part of me thinks that he's going to struggle to recapture that with just the extent of the injuries that he's got going on. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really tricky. I actually think he's actually going to have quite a good season now. Maybe actually some of this is mentally a mental block and actually and actually him actually become being open and talking about it it's actually only going to be a good thing we say so you know you hear so many things in sport about people not being open and talking about the struggles that they're having and i think it's really good 
But ultimately, yeah. if you can't walk properly yeah. because of a oh. sore back, you're not going to be able to oh, well, yeah. play golfing potential. Well, of, so of course, that's going, that's going to be tricky, isn't it? I sometimes play better when I've got a bad back, but rarely. So fingers crossed that we see some good results from him in the near future and maybe getting uh, another W under his belt. I mean, he's not done bad, bad Eddie. He's won over $46 million. So, you know. Plus all his tailor-made money, his Adidas money, his Zurich money, more Elliot, money. Elliot's talking about money again. I think he can afford to retire, but it'd be well, no, exactly. But we don't want it. We want it. You know, I, want that. I mean, we often get, we often discuss in the office if everyone's playing their best golf, who wins? My answer to that for a number of years was Jason Day, and that's how good he was. And this is in an era where Johnson, McIlroy, Kepka were playing really well, yeah. rating that highly. So I really, really want to see him recapture his good yeah, form. Yeah, he took on Spieth at his prime as well. Beat him in the PGA that year. Yeah. Good luck, Jason. I mean, at the match play in 2016, he was just completely unstoppable, wasn't he? And he had the most amazing putting stroke. His chipping was so good. He was hitting it 350, 360 off the tee. He's just a fantastic all-round golfer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to move on. And we're going to, we've asked you for your questions. Um, and you've sent in quite a few this, this week. So, first up, Cameron Roy on Facebook, I think this is. Um, open championship courses which one should we keep which one should we lose and are there any that should be added to the rotor what do you think which one should we lose I'll start with on a very sad note the only one I've played I would say Royal Lytham and St Anne's if we're <laughs> you've been so negative this week <laughs> straight in there uh, no, you know, no, no holding back saying. there uh, At least let him justify. <laughs> no, go for it. Go for I it. I think there was talk that maybe Lytham might be coming off. I don't know if that's just rumours. It's not the prettiest golf course. It doesn't have the room like the other ones do. Like we were at Portrush, weren't we? That was massive. Birkdale, massive as well with Hillside right next door. It's a phenomenal golf course, but it doesn't quite have the visual appeal. Uh, so that's been very harsh. To add new ones on, I'd probably say Burnham and Barrow got great history. Again, not the biggest, so yeah. Trump it's, International's it's meant very to be very out of the good way as well, isn't it? Burnham and Barrow, so logistically, no, it's yeah, right it's by not, Bristol and Cardiff and far. London. It's, it's quite a nice motorway, but I don't know whether they've got the the infrastructure to, to do it. If we just talk, look, let's not worry about infrastructure and just say about courses that we'd like to fourth see. Fourth call then would be probably top of a lot of people's list. Fourth uh, calls, but obviously. You can't really oh, mention that without mentioning infrastructure because that's one of the main reasons. Yeah, let, let, let's not talk about infrastructure. Royal County Down. Yeah. Consistently rated top five in the world. Uh, that'd be great to see an open championship there. Dornock. People rave about Dornock. I've never played it, but it's in a lot of people's top three um, golf courses of the world list. It's supposed to be absolutely spectacular. Yeah, St. Enadoc is another great course with good history, um, beautiful views. I love that golf course. Not long enough, though. But maybe if we have some equipment changes, you could have an open championship featuring just irons over St. Enadoc. I'm not sure that's going to happen. That's, that's but I prefer to watch the actual Open Championship, <laughs> if I'm honest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think really what the RNA have said is that they're not making any change to the rotor at the moment. So the courses, what, nine of it, nine of them, I think there are on there at the moment, or on there? Ten. It, ten, sorry. Uh, and then one of them, obviously, who hasn't had a Open is since 2009 is Turnbury. Turnbury, that was the first Open I went to. Absolutely spectacular course. Obviously had some changes which have made it even more spectacular. Obviously there's political decisions why that's not had an Open in so long, but um, I'd love to ha see it back having a another Open. So I know it's on the rotor, but um, I'd love to see another 
Open Championship there because it's fantastic golf course and a lovely setting. Uh, another one actually as well, Ganton. It's not a it's not a links course by the sea, but it is basically a links course. It's the only course to have hosted the Ryder Cup, Amateur Championship, Curtis Cup, and another big amateur event. But it's a it's a really great golf course where I want to say Harry Colt started his career or Harry Varden. A true legend. Sorry, I haven't done my research. No, 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 no that's that's, no, that's fine. But there are lo- so many good golf courses out about. Yeah, you know, you look around that whole that whole uh, Southport area, whatever the England's golf course. There's there's millions over the, over there, and there's some great golf courses around the place, and some spectacular locations. Which unfortunately, because of infrastructure, are never going to be able to actually you know get get in there. But um, it'd be great to even to see some more. Um, just tour events, just your your basic tour events being going around there, and that's something maybe with a with the lack of UK and Ireland. Get golf. the phone to Keith Pelly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not going to happen, is it? But um, there's yeah, there's some there's some great golf courses out there, aren't there? So um, yeah, I think we've covered quite a lot there. So next one is from Morbid Rooster, which I think is on t- from Twitter. Is this on Twitter? Yeah. Where he says, "Why are golf shoes so expensive?" A completely different kind of question. Uh, and I would, f- I'll start this off. I'll start this off by saying, uh, I don't think they are, because I think actually there's a huge rate. You can spend an awful lot on golf shoes if you want to, if you want to get them with your initials on and done to custom designs and you know everything that you want, or if you want the absolute latest technology. But there's some actually some, I think some absolute bargains out there for golf shoes under fifty quid, which look the part, which look you know sporty trendy whatever you want uh, with all the right technology to keep your feet dry and make sure you're not slipping all over the place so yes yeah. more expensive than normal shoes are no they? I, I don't think so at all i think you can you can if you go to somewhere let's think if you go to decathlon there's a decathlon near near us um in farnborough and you that you can buy foot joys in there for a decent price and you can also buy some maybe non-branded ones as well mm. or you can buy some Adidas in there that, and you can buy, you can pay from 30 quid to 120 and at the top end obviously the research and development that goes into it is substantial that's partly explains the cost some of the lightweight materials that they're using these days some of these waterproof materials they split them up into different components yeah. they have cages on them the different spikes all the research is going into that so I don't think they're expensive when you consider that you're using these shoes on every shot and compare it to a top-of-the-range driver or something like that. Yeah, well, it doesn't seem expensive to me. We've also said about Galvin Green waterproofs in the past. Now, Galvin Green waterproofs are expensive, but they're absolutely top-of-the-range. You know, really, a load of science has gone into there, into it, and a huge amount of research and development. No wonder they're so expensive. But actually, if you can't afford a Galvin Green, then actually there's some perfectly good waterproofs out there that you can get for under 100 quid, even actually about 50 quid. And things have, ch- have moved on quite a lot. Um, so Morbid Rooster, I'd say if you're finding that golf shoes are so expensive, do look around. Make sure you look around. And also, you don't have to go for this year's style. Look around at you know, what's what's available from, from the previous couple of years. And actually, I think there's some great bargains out there, so do have a look around. Um, next question from Ryan Gardner. Gardner, yeah, on Facebook, I think this is. He's talking about um, winter practice facilities and why more clubs don't invest in putting in uh, all weather facilities on their in their golf club to make sure that people can can play golf all the weather. I definitely agree with this. I think this is a great idea. Something I'd love at my club. 
I know Fergus Bissett, our Scottish writer near Aberdeen, has this at his club, Bankery. Mm-hmm. They have like a a winter indoor league. So they play all the courses around the world in like pairs. They do the front nine at the end of the year and they do the back nine at the start of the year. I think he was writing. And So this is on a... Um this is on a video... Yeah, a simulator. Simulator, that's the word I was looking for. And you can keep your club open till 8pm or whatever when it gets dark at four. People buy beers, buy drinks, buy food. I think, yeah, it would definitely get revenue for the club and keep the members happy. Obviously, the outlay and putting in... And space. A, a outlay and space. We've already said about infrastructure for some golf clubs. It is a big thing. And these things are going to cost, you know, uh, probably 100000 pounds or something like that so it's an awful lot of of money to put in especially when clubs maybe we've already been I saying it's quite cheap actually in the grand scheme of things the investment over five or ten years what that will do for your club in but do a lot of this clubs digital have age. that huge amount of money sitting around to invest i'm not sure i'm not an expert on golf club finances but it's a significant outlay yeah it, i mean it is, it is a big outlay and it's it's interesting that there are i think there are probably more clubs doing it than than previously and there's also if you think of um the new kinds of uh synthetic turf which are out there the people's short game area and putting greens which are actually not just 100% grass there's a lot of synthetic in there which actually helps them um look after themselves if you look at all the big golf clubs and the big tournaments a lot of them have got that involved now so um it's an interesting idea ryan and um be interesting here if people have had new facilities put in at their golf club and you know if they're making a profit from it um question from peter mansfield what's the worst start to round you've ever had and what's the worst finish you've ever had now elliot we always know that you've got bad finishes to your rounds what's the worst finish that you've ever had well peter mansfield is one of my playing partners ah it's so, so it's, it's a loaded question he asks this because i had quite a poor start to my round at the weekend i hit it in the bunker on the first hole Thinned it into the face where it got plugged. So that's two shots. Had a penalty drop. Played my fourth shot, still in the bunker. Thinned it into the face, came back down. Played my fifth shot. Hit it back into the plug mark in the face. Dropped for seven. And I picked it up then, obviously. I've hit my seventh shot. Eight. I probably would have started with a ten. So, so that's that's, quite, a, that's a that's a poor start. That's quite a poor. I mean, start. I think I've had worse starts than that. I'll be honest with you. Nearly hitting the starts that Sunning Day, or um, you know, if I start the round of golf, uh, topping with, it off the tee at Burnham and Berry. Well, I don't think that's a bad start. That, that went that went straight. straight. That went straight fifty yards, and I found it. No, so, no it went ten yards, and it no, it, it did not. No, right. no, no, no. I did not top it off at the tee at Burnham and Berry ten yards. I'll tell you what, I had a worse start. So the first time I played at Burnham and Berry, which was without when you weren't there which is Burnaby first fairway is very very tight frighteningly thin thin and has very steep uh, banks either side doesn't it and I managed to somehow get it on the left hand side and it was about five foot below my where I, where I was for my second shot and I had an air shot and I more or less fell over um, that was the first time I played it but that's because literally it wasn't really an air shot I just fell over so that wasn't a particularly great start to a round yeah, but if I, if I score a point on my first hole at golf, yeah, I am absolutely happy. over the moon so I think it was Hailing Island a few years back that started with a, a mid-length par three and I was playing with the secretary and I took such a big divot off the first tee that it went further than the ball <laughs> Well, we've got another story. David Taylor, who's not—he's obviously—he's uh, working very uh, 
very quickly over there. Doing the work I should be doing right Exactly. Now. He yeah. had a... Where was that? That was at Royal Mid-Surrey, where he... We'd had a long meeting, and he said, oh, I don't feel particularly well. And we went on the first shot, at, at the first day, and had a full-on air shot, which was a par three. We went, oh, no, Dave's not there. He then had 38 points, points and won. I played, so I played with him. Was if you have a bad start, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. That you can always uh, recover, can't bad you? Bad finish, though. My but old I'm, club, Leyland, used to have out-of-bounds down the right, and the clubhouse was adjacent to the 18th green, and I've hit it on the clubhouse before. I also remember thinning a lob wedge there, through the back of the green into the pro shop it hit like the awning bit guarding the windows and it would have smashed the windows i think had it not hit that so we yeah we've all got you know bad stories of um yeah i think one of the worst finishes was last year when i when i was playing away at my my cricket club social where we have the clark cup which has been founded by myself and my brother second year doing it and I was leading two holes to go because i was playing with the other guy who we were well, i was one shot clear and i finished i hit I hit it out of bounds on 17 and 18 <laughs> to finish blob blob to lose oh, by a couple. I hit it out of bounds on... No, I lost my ball last year in the f- final of our knockout match play Yeah, to lose two downs. We've all got them. We've all got them. But, um, yeah, and some of them are... Fun. I think you've got to laugh about these main more than anything. I can't think of any bad finishes. Oh, you always finish clutch, do you? Oh, no, I'm not even saying that. I, just, I guess the one that springs to mind, it's not really a bad finish. It's a bad 17 holes, but I got seven points. And I made three points on the first hole. Yeah, I've got four points over seventeen holes. That's never good. That's never good. So well, actually, quite difficult to do. Exactly, exactly. That's when you think. That's no. when you're not good at golf and you get a lot of shots. Exactly. So uh, thanks for all your questions. I think we'll leave it there. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to look back at Riviera and preview the WGC Mexico Championship. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on your usual provider and please do leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, follow us on social media and check out the Golf Monthly website you know where we are. Nick, Elliot, thanks for your time. Thanks. Thanks, Tom. Elliot, a little bit more cheery next week. Come on. We, we, can, we can do it. A bit, more, Nick Taylor can bit, it a bit more positivity. Phil Mickelson wins again. Is he even playing? I think he'll be all right when he is. So, a bit more positive and we'll yeah, go. See you next week. Look forward to it. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's what we want to say. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. See you later. <laughs>